As I was walking on London Street one misty morning early, I heard a fair young maiden cry, Lord save me the life of Georgie. Hello Tigers! Welcome to episode 5 of GDT3K Gothic Dreadful Theatre 3000, an almost brand new podcast in which twice a month we take the campiest, juiciest, most melodramatic stories in the history of the universe and give them the full MST3K treatment. Today, as usual, I'm joined by community journalist and collector of light bulb jokes, Jennifer Moody, and by Finn J.D. John, who plays the accordion and mountain dulcimer with world-famous emo band Bauhaus and is principal creative at Pulp Lit Productions. That's me. And I am Christopher Jerome, resident witcher and owner of Dark Tidings Press. We are doing chapters 15 and 16 of the second most well-known of the Penny Dreadfuls, Varney the Vampire, or the Feast of Blood, by James Malcolm Reimer. Okay, so here's the story on this little hustle. As you listen, you will notice that we are playing the actual audiobook narration of the chapters in the left channel. And on the right, you'll hear us making sarcastic wisecracks about it, if we're on enough to make sarcastic wisecracks. <laughs> In any case, um, if we get on your nerves, you can pan over to the left and just enjoy the story. But to make this more fun, we have a cask of amontillado that we're working out of. We've each got a giant silver goblet, which we filled up with aged amontillado, and each of us has picked a phrase that we're going to listen for. When we hear, hear it, it's our responsibility to ding, our dinger, ding, 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 and everybody has to drink. Yes. And you should play along, by the way, all you thirsty swabs out there in podcast land. Swabs! (laughs) Don't. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Okay. My (laughs) phrase for this episode is going to be anything involving the devil. Right. Yes. (laughs) And if you play the podcast backwards. (laughs) Banana, banana. My phrase is always going to include hideous, or hideous rather, but I don't think there are any in this week's episode. So I'm going to augment it with the English word damn, which, by the way, in the original Varney the Vampire is always spelled D long dash. Um, and then I believe that's it. So um, every time one of those comes up, it's, I'm it's going, slang yes. for hideous. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big one this time because this is the chapter where we get to meet old Admiral Bell and his sailor sidekick Jack Pringle, who swears like a. He swears a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, which brings me to my phrase or phrases, because I'm just going to go with any kind of sailor uh, lingo. And so uh, you might want to get get yourself a refill right now for this chapter. (laughs) When when is talk like a pirate day anyway? (laughs) September. Uh, I think it's September nineteenth. Okay. Well, it's it, it, it's yeah, it's like Christmas. If we can have Christmas in July, we can have talk like a pirate day in March. We can. Uh, by the way, and this is not an advertisement. Our Comic Con friends uh, Christopher and Lindsay uh, make custom geek friendly soaps and beard oils and sell them at booths on the Comic Con circuit. And Emerald City Comic Con has just been canceled down in Eugene because of Balonavirus. Seattle. Seattle? Oh, I'm sorry. I always think of Emerald City, one. and I'm, like, thinking that it's Eugene. But, of course, it's, like, Emerald City Jr. down there. Right. <laughs> the little little E. Yeah. yeah no, this is a big E. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to really regret I said that, because, like, this, the Eugene Chamber of Commerce is going to be, like, crawling up my windpipe now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, one Emerald City is pretty much like another, right? Right. Anyway... Um, Chris and Lindsay have got a giant batch of special witcher soaps and no place to sell them. 
and um, I just thought, you know, it would be a good idea to go online um, to deeplydapper.com and um, check them out because there's like a coin in the middle of them apparently, which when you're all done, you know, with it, there's... You find a witcher like Chris and you toss You can it. toss it to me. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> At that's least this works. week. Yes. And I want to give a shout out to top fan Corey Fry. Corey, if you're listening to this, I really hope you're out of the hospital. He's been kind of poorly lately, and we want to give him something special to listen to while he rests. Right, Corey? You're resting. <laughs> you're nothing else but rest. Or, or, or maybe working on a sequel to um, uh, Murder in Lane County, uh, that the, uh, the the sort of the true crime um, book that he put together about the about a couple of really memorable murders that happened. In 1923, 1923, real banner year in Albany, Oregon. Um, oh, but it, man. Yeah. If you're, if you're into true crime, Oregon history, or 1923 rural murders, you should totally get that book. Yeah. Or if you just like good writing, because it is yeah. a cracking story. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I think we're ready. So, in the immortal words of D.B. Cooper, let's get this show on the road. Yes, indeed. Uh, the big green button is chapter fifteen. Oh boy! The it old admiral and his servant. The communications oh, so from the on. landlord of the Nelson's Arms. While those matters of most grave and serious import were going on at the hall, while each day Sounds and like almost each Joplin hour song. and each day was producing more and more conclusive evidence upon a matter which at first had seemed too monstrous to be at all credited. It may well be supposed that a wonderful <laughs> sensation was produced among the gossip mongers of the neighborhood by the exaggerated reports that had reached <laughs> them. Exaggerated servants who had left the hall on no other account as they, they declared that she affrighted the awful visits <laughs> yeah, of the vampire, right. spread the news together. far and wide so that in the adjoining villages and market towns the vampire of Bannerworth Hall became quite a staple of conversation. Sounds Such like a, a positive godsend yeah, yeah. for the lovers of the marvelous had not appeared in the countryside within the memory of he that sapient individual, the oldest inhabitant. That's and me. moreover, there was one thing which staggered some people of better education and maturer judgments, That's also and that me. was that the more they took pains yes. to inquire into the matter in order, if possible, to put an end to what they considered a gross lie from the commencement, the more evidence they found to stagger their own senses upon the subject. Everywhere then, in every house, public as well as private, something was being continually said of the vampire. Nurserymaid began to think a vampire vastly superior to old scratch and old bogey, terrifying their infant charges into quietness, if not to sleep, until they themselves became too much afraid upon the subject to mention it. But nowhere was gossiping carried on upon the subject with more systematic fervor than at an inn called the Nelson's Arms, which was in the high street of the nearest market town Nelson to the hall. Nelson must have had really great arms. There, it seemed yeah. as Nelson if the lovers of the hall had oh, made a point of holding out, their but... headquarters. <laughs> and so thirsty did the numerous discussions make the guests that the landlord was heard right to, to declare arms. that he, from his heart, really considered the vampire as very nearly equal to a contested election. That's one it of was the best lines evening on the same day that Marchdale and Henry <laughs> made their it. visit to Sir Francis Varney that a yes, post indeed. chase drew up at the inn we have mentioned. Well, that's a fancy vehicle um, were two persons of exceedingly apparently. dissimilar yes. appearance and general aspect. 
One of these people was a man who seemed fast verging upon seventy years of age. That's also Although me. from <laughs> his still ruddy and embrowned complexion and stentorian voice, it was Stentorian. quite evident that he intended yet it's to keep totally time me. at arm's length totally. for oh, many arms years length to too come. soon. We were just talking about <laughs> he was Nelson. attired in ample and <laughs> yes. expensive clothing, but every article had a naval animus about it, if we may be allowed such you. an expression no, with regard to clothing. On his buttons was an anchor, and oh, the general geez. assortment and color of the clothing as nearly assimilated as possible to the undress naval uniform of an officer of high rank some fifty or sixty years ago. The other was Tintin, his companion and was his a younger man, dog. and about his appearance there was no secret at all. He was a genuine sailor, and he wore the as shore costume to a fake of one. Sailor? He right, was hearty-looking and well-dressed and evidently well-fed. must be Halloween. As the chase drove up to the door of the inn, this man made an observation <laughs> to the other to the following yes. effect. Ahoy! Drink! Well, you lover, what <laughs> now? Oh, cried my. the other. They call this the Nelson's Arms, and you know, shiver me, Drink that for the best time. half of his oh. life he had but one. Damn you. Oh, that's mine. the only oh. rejoinder he got for his observation, but with that, he seemed well satisfied. Keep your, keep your drink yeah. in your hand. Too. Hey, we are not to going to be able to was about to <laughs> drive the chase into this. the yard. Eve we're not going to make him make wisecracks because we're going to go into sentence. the dock. Oh, oh, sure we do. Said the old man. <laughs> right into let's the dock. Let's get out, Jack. This is the port, and do you hear me? Because to you, let's have no swearing, <laughs> damn you. No, no bad swearing, language, damn you. you lazy swab. <laughs> lazy swab, Aye, aye. Hey. I'm not being ashore now a matter of ten years. Just hand me the bottle. Let a little shore-going politeness, Admiral. I ain't been your Wally to sham without learning a little about land reckonings. Nobody would take me for a sailor now, I'm thinking, Admiral. Hold your noise. Why, I sir. Jack, as he was called, <laughs> bundled out of the chase Holy when the cow. door was open. It's going to be a long movement night. so closely resembling what a would have been seen in the next chapter. collar that one was tempted almost to believe that such a feat must have been accomplished by some invisible agency. It's really he then assisted the old gentleman to alight, and the mm-hmm. landlord of the inn commenced the usual profusion of bows with which a passenger by a post chase is usually welcomed in preference to one by a stagecoach. Be quiet, will you? shouted the admiral, for indeed he was. Be quiet. Best accommodation, sir. Good wine, well-aired bed, good attendance, fine air. Boy, there, said Jack. <laughs> and he gave the landlord what he considered a gentle admonition, but which consisted of such a dig in the ribs that he made as many evolutions as the clown in a pantomime when he vociferated hot codlings. I'm not at all now, sure. Jack, where's like the that? sailing instructions? Hot said coddling. his master. Mm. Yes, sir, in the locker. Said Jack, that could be as he took from his pocket a letter, which he handed to the admiral. <laughs> Is that what the kids call Won't these you days? Step in, yeah. sir. Said the landlord, who had now begun to it's recover like a, a little pod, from the digging only the ribs. Cardier. What's the use of coming into port and paying harbour dues and all that sort of thing till we know if it's all right, you lover? I. <laughs> oh no! Oh dear me, sir! Of course, God bless me! What can the old gentleman mean? The admiral opened the letter and read. If you stop at the Nelson's Arms at Uxotter, you will hear of me, and I can be sent for, and I will tell you more. Yours very obediently and humbly, Josiah Crinkles. <laughs> Overdoses, like eh? A, like a tomcat in Uxotter, a suit sir. with that name. Oh, yes. Said the landlord. It's one of the Nelson's Arms. One of the cat's cats. Good beds. Yes. Good wine. Him and uh, Rum Tom Tiger. Vampires. Yes, oh, of course. <laughs> 
Who the devil is Josiah oh. Crinkles? Oh, devil. Oh, Makes me laugh, sir. Oh, we got a couple Ooh, of devils. Devil indeed. They do say the devil and lawyers, sir, know something of each other. Makes me smile. Oh, dear. I'll make you smile out of the other side of that damned great hatch. Wave a mouth of yours in a minute. Who is Crinkles? Oh, Mr. Crinkles, sir. Just one bottle per. A most wow. respectable attorney, sir. Indeed, a highly respectable yeah, man, sir. way too common a phrase this time. Yes, sir. A lawyer. Well, I'm damned. Dang! So am I. Whistle and both master and man looked at each other aghast. Now hang uh, me, cried the admiral, if what? ever I was so taken in all my life. Aye, aye, sir, said Jack. I don't know if I have come 170 miles to see a damn swab of a rascally I'll smash him, Jack. Your honor, get into the chase again. Whoa, but where's Master Charles? Lawyers in course, sir, is all blessed rogues, but how some devil he may for once in his life, this year one of them have told us a right channel, and if so he has, don't be the Yankee to leave him among the pirates. I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> you infernal <laughs> scoundrel, how dare you preach to me in such a way, you yes, lovely Because <laughs> you deserves it. Mutiny! Mutiny, boy, Jove! I'll have right, you put in mutiny. irons. Bye, You're a scoundrel right, and no mutiny. seaman. No seamen! No seamen! Not a bit of one. Very well. It's time then, as like I was off the person's books. Sailors, Good boy to you. Basically, I only yeah. hopes as you might oh, get a better is... seaman to stick to you and be your wally to sham, not Jack Remember, Pringle. That's all yep, that yep. I wish you. You didn't call me no seaman in the Bay of Corfu when the Jack bullets Pringle. were scuttling our knobs. He just started thinly Jackie slicing Rascal, potatoes. Jackie give us your fin. Come here, you scuttling damn villain. Damn villain. Would you? <laughs> I know it. Come in, then. Don't tell me I'm no seaman. Call me a wagabone if you like, but no, don't, don't call me a wagabone. There, I'm yeah, as no. tender as a baby I am. Don't do it. Confound you, who is doing it? The devil. Oh, who is? Lord. Don't then. Thus wrangling, they entered the inn to the great amusement of several bystanders. I feel like we should advertise this episode as a lightning round where we just drink a lot. <laughs> Would you like Unless a you private room, sir? Sponsor us. My, yes. my knob is what already scuttled. I would just Jack. like to say. Hold yeah. your noise, will you? <laughs> cried his master. Yes, I should like a private room and some grog. You just put a hole in the bottom of the Devil. devil. Put in Jack. Uh, hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good wines, good beds, good... You said all that before, you know, remarked Jack as he bestowed upon the landlord another terrific dig in the ribs. Ouch. Hello, <laughs> cried the landlord. You can send for that infernal oh, lawyer, Admiral, Mr. Landlord. landlord. <laughs> Mr. Crinkle, sir? Yes. Yes. Who may I have the honor to say, sir, wants to see him? Admiral Bell. <laughs> certainly, Admiral, certainly. You'll Part find him through, a very conversable, nice, gentlemanly little man, sir. <laughs> and tell him Jack Pringle is here, too. Mr. Crinkles really would be oh, a yes, great yes, of course, yeah. said the landlord, I'm who was in such a state of confusion yeah. from the digs and the ribs right. he had received and from the noise his guests had already made in his house that, had he been suddenly put upon his oath, he would scarcely have liked to say which was master and which was the man. The idea now, Jack, said the admiral, of coming all this way to see a lawyer. Why, I, sir. Crinkles. If you'd said he was a lawyer, we would have known what to do, but it's a take-in, Jack. So I think, how some devil we'll serve him out when we catch him, you know. Good, so we will. And then again, he may know something about Master Charles, sir, you know. Lord love him, uh, don't you remember when he came aboard to see you once at Portsmouth? <laughs> oh, I do no. indeed. 
and how he said he hated the French and quite a baby too. What perseverance and sense. Uncle, says he to you, when I'm a big man, I'll go in a ship and fight all the French in a heap, says he, and beat them, my boy, too, says you, because you thought he forgot that. And then he says, what's the use of saying that, stupid? Don't we always beat him? <laughs> the Admiral laughed well, and rubbed his hands as he cried aloud. I remember Jack. Texas. I remember him. I was Good stupid question. to make such a remark. Actually, I think he's from, oh, I think he's yeah, from Dixie. Was. A damn he keeps talking about football. Yankees. Yo. Damn. Come, right, come. Well, that makes more Hello sense. There. Maybe, well, then, maybe not really, call me a no seaman for? Why, Jack, you bear malice like a marine. There you go again. Goodbye. Do you remember when we were yard arm to yard arm with those two Yankee frigates See? and took them both? Ah, you didn't call me a marine then when the yeah, scuppers was running with blood. Rebels. Was I a seaman then? You were, Jack. You were. And you saved my life. Oh, I didn't. You Back did. Back in 1812. Oh, I say I didn't. It was a marlin spite. But I say you did, you rascally scoundrel. I say you did, and I won't be contradicted really in my are. own shit. This is this is Call a great way to add stuff. No, damn it. I... Ah, Mr. Crinkles, said the landlord, flinging the door wide open, and so at once putting <laughs> can, an end to the discussion, which always You can perhaps hear the effects of the Amontillado on our bell <laughs> management shop, here. God, said Jack. A little neatly dressed man made his appearance and advanced rather timidly into the room. Perhaps he had heard from the landlord that the parties who had sent for him were rather of a violent sort. "'So you are Crinkles, are you?' cried the Admiral. "'Sit down, though you are a lawyer.' "'Scratch me behind the ears. You are good. Who's a good Crinkles? "'And my name is certainly Crinkles.' "'He's just purring. "'Look at that.' (laughs) The Admiral placed the letter in the little lawyer's hands. "'Stop rubbing on my leg.' said, "'Am I to read it?' "'Yes, to be sure. Aloud?' Read it to the devil, if you like, in a pig's whisper or in a West India hurricane. Good lord. Very good, sir. I I am willing to be agreeable, so I'll read it aloud if it's all the same to you. He opened the letter and read as follows. To Admiral Bell. Admiral, being from various circumstances aware that you take a warm and praiseworthy interest in your nephew Charles Holland, I venture to write to you concerning a matter which your immediate and active cooperation with others may rescue him from a condition which will prove, if allowed to continue, very much to his detriment and ultimate unhappiness. You are then hereby informed that he, Charles Holland, has much earlier than he ought to have done returned to England and that the object of his return is to contract a marriage into a family in every way objectionable and with a girl who is highly objectionable. You, Admiral, are his nearest and almost his only relative in the world. You are the guardian of his property and therefore it becomes a duty on your part to interfere to save him from the ruinous consequences Uh, of a marriage which is sure to bring ruin and stress upon himself and all who take an interest in his welfare. The family he wishes to marry into is called Bannerworth, and the young lady's name is Flora Bannerworth. When, however, I inform you that a vampire is in that family, and that if he marries into it, he marries a vampire and will have vampires for children. I trust that I have said enough to warn you upon the subject and to induce you to lose no time in repairing to the spot. 
If you stop at the Nelson's Arms in Luxotter, you will hear of me. I can be sent for, and I will tell you more. Vampire on lives matter. and humbly, <laughs> Josiah Crinkles. I love that he yes. like reads the letter I as he's meeting the to guy. you Dr. Johnson's <laughs> definition of a vampire, which is as follows. In case vampire, you didn't know. a German bloodsucker, German by blood which you sucker. perceive how many vampires from time immemorial you know must have been well entertained at the expense of John Bull at the court oh, of yeah, St. James, <laughs> where nothing is hardly to be met with but German bloodsuckers. <laughs> the lawyer ceased to read. Okay, German bloodsuckers is going to be a great which he glanced at the face of Admiral Lord under any other circumstances have much amused him. His mind, however, was by far too much engrossed with the consideration of the danger of Charles Holland, his nephew, to be amused at anything. So when he found that the little lawyer said nothing, he bellowed out, Well, sir? Well, said the attorney. I've sent for you, and here you are, and here I am, and here's Jack Pringle. What have you got to say? Just this much, said Mr. Crinkles, recovering himself a little. Just this much, sir, that I never saw that letter before in all my life. Oh, you never saw it? Never. Didn't didn't write it? On my solemn word of honor, sir, I did not. Jack Pringle whistled, and the admiral looked puzzled. Like the admiral in the song, too, he grew paler. And then Mr. Crinkles added, Who has forged my Mm. name to such a letter as this I cannot imagine. As for writing to you, sir, I never heard of your existence except publicly as one of those gallant officers who have spent a long life in nobly fighting their country's battles and who are entitled to the admiration and the applause of every Englishman. In other words, please don't Jack and the Admiral looked at each other in amazement, and then the latter exclaimed, He kills the fridge and heat. This from a lawyer? (laughs) A lawyer, sir, said Crinkles, may know how to appreciate the deeds of gallant men, although oh. he may not be able to Brown imitate noser. them. Brown noser. Sir, is a lawyer may not be able to imitate them. Only much Ouch. gratified at the incident which has procured me the honor of an interview with a gentleman know. whose name will live in the history of his country. Good day, sir. Good day. I said good day. Oh, well, I'm damned <laughs> if you go like, like, like that, said Jack as lawyers. he sprang to like the door and put his back against it. You shall take a glass with me in honor of the wooden walls of old England, damn ya, if you was twenty lawyers. Oh, we had a damn That's you right, Jack, <laughs> said the Admiral. Come, Mr. Crinkles, oh, I'll think for your sake it. that yeah, there be two decent lawyers yep. in the world and you one of them. We must have a bottle of the best wine the ship, I mean the house, can afford together. <laughs> Don't drink every time if you say damn or command, the devil. Admiral, I obey with pleasure, said the attorney. Hmm. Well, and although I assure like you on my honor <laughs> that I did not write that letter, yet some of the matters mentioned in it are so generally notorious here that I can afford you some information concerning them. Can you? I regret to say I can, for I respect the parties. Sit down, then. Sit down. Jack, run to the steward's room and get the wine. We will go into it now, starboard and labboard. Who the deuce could have written that letter? Yep, that was a drinkable offense. eh? Well, (laughs) never mind, never mind. It has brought me here. That's something, and I won't grumble much at it. I did not know my nephew was in England, and I dare say he didn't know I was. But here we both are, and I won't rest till I've seen him (laughs) and ascertained how the what's-its-name... He's been drinking every time somebody Ah, said something sailor-y, and (laughs) she doesn't know said Jack Pringle, who now brought in some wine, much against the remonstrances of the waiters of the establishment who considered that he was treading upon their vested interests by so doing. 
Yep. Shiver me timbers. If I know oh, what a vampire is, unless he's some distant relation to Davy Jones. Davy oh, Jones! Oh, to the locker with you. Admiral. I need a refill. Nobody wants you to make a remark, you great lover. Oh, there's another one. Very good. <laughs> Said Jack, and no, he Jim, sat down Davey the Jones line is on the table, and retired to the other end That's of the room, mocking to himself that he was not called a great lubber on a certain occasion Jeez. when bullets were scuttling their knobs and when they were yardarm to yardarm with God knows who. <laughs> now, Mr. Lawyer, said Admiral Bell, who had about him a large share of the habits of a rough sailor. <laughs> now, There's Mr. Too Lawyer, many. here is a glass Hello, to our better acquaintance, but damn you if I don't like you. You are very in good, the Navy. Sir. Oh, there was a day. time when I'd just as soon have thought Sailor of asking Moon. a young shark to supper with me in my own cabin as a lawyer, but I begin to <laughs> see that there may be such a thing as a decent, good sort of fellow seen in the law. So no. here's good luck to you, and you shall never want a friend or a bottle yeah. while Admiral Lawyers Bell are one to throw around the word vampire, vampire. you bloodsuckers. <laughs> said Jack. <laughs> Don't you? What do you mean by that? Yeah. roared the Admiral in a furious tone. I wasn't speaking to you, shouted Jack, about two octaves higher. It's two boys in the street, as is pretending they're going to fight, and I know damn well they won't. Hold your noise. I'm going. I wasn't told to hold more noise when our knobs were being scuttled off by root. I'm going to use that at work with my employees when they're complaining. Hold your noise. You don't know what he's talking about. Just tell them you're going to scuttle their knobs. You go ahead and tell me about the, the, the vampire. Ah, uh, yes. Sounds like an I HR complaint to me. always forget the names of strange fish. <laughs> I suppose, after all, it's something of the mermaid order. Ah, uh, yes. I cannot say, sir, but certainly the story in all its painful particulars has made a great sensation all over this the country. It's very odd that we're missing Indeed. so many pages. I don't know yes, what's sir. going on here. But... You shall hear yeah. how it occurred. We're, this is total ad-lib. One Miss Flora just... Bannerworth, a young lady of great beauty and respected and admired by yeah. all who knew her, was visited by a strange being who came in at the window. My eye, said Jack. <laughs> if it weren't me, I wish it had been. Thank you. So petrified by fear was she that she had only time to creep half out of the bed and to utter one cry of alarm when the strange visitor seized her in his grasp. Damn my pigtail, oh. said Jack. Oh. What a squall there must have one been. One cry of sure. alarm, but later she got Do up two shots. see this bottle? Yes. roared the admiral. To be sure I does, I think it's time I seed another. <laughs> you scoundrel, I'll make you feel it against that damned stupid head that of yours damn. if you enter up this gentleman again. Don't be violent. Well, as I was saying, continued the attorney, this, she this did is, by this should have come with good fortune manage to scheme, which had Holy the effect God. of a lash. Why was a lash. Yeah. The door of her chamber, which was fast, was censored. broken open. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, cried Jack. You may imagine the horror and the consternation of those who entered the room to find her in the grasp of a fiend-like figure whose teeth were fastened on her neck and who was actually draining her veins of blood. Oh, my. Devil! Before anyone could lay hands sufficiently on the figure to detain it, it had precipitately from its dreadful repast. Shots Mm. were fired after it. Shots fired. And they let it go. They followed it, I understand, as well as they were able, and saw it scale the garden wall of the premises. There it escaped, leaving, as you may well imagine, on all their minds a sensation of horror difficult to describe. Well, I never did hear anything the equal of that. Jack, what do you think of it? I haven't begun to think yet, 
said Jack. <laughs> Sounds like Codswallop to me. Well, you've given up nothing. a thinking. <laughs> nothing. I've not given up thinking for Lent, I was not aware squire. you had a nephew, or that any gentleman bearing that, or any they other relationship to, to you, had any sort of connection with these mysterious and most unaccountable circumstances. I tell you all, no, I have gathered from common report about this vampire business. Further, I know not, I assure you. Well, a man can't tell me what he don't know. It puzzles me to think who could possibly have written me this letter. That I am completely at a loss to imagine, said Crinkle. We can help with that. I yes, assure we can. you, my gallant sir, that I am much hurt at the circumstances of anyone using my name in such a way. But nevertheless, as you Crowley, are... Crowley, better than using your neck in such a way. Count your blessings. Of my are you sure? ...to be of some service to so gallant a defender of my country. And one whose name, along with the memory of his deeds, is engraved upon the heart of every Briton. Quite equal to a book, he talks, said Jack. I never could read one myself on account of not knowing how. Either. <laughs> of course. And that's just a sort uh, of incomprehensible just, gammon. Know, them words are magic. You don't want is. any of your ignorant remarks, said the Admiral. Yes, so you quiet, be quiet your ignorance. Aye, aye, sir. Shut your noise. Now, Mr. <laughs> lawyer, you are an honest fellow, and an honest fellow generally is a sensible fellow. Is he an honest fellow? He's a lawyer, sir, though. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, if so be what like this letter says is true, my nephew Charles has got a liking for this girl who has had her neck bitten by a vampire. Oh, man. <laughs> I perceive. Hey, so nobody's perfect. What like you, you do? You bite everyone that's ever been her. Perhaps <laughs> it's one of the it's most kind of like, uh, like an unfortunate tattoo that seemed like it was a good idea <laughs> in Cancun when you were 16. Girls with lips have touched vampire lips shall never touch my Yes. Are much compromised oh in their results. Very true. Go on. Taking, my dear sir, what in my humble judgment appears a reasonable view of this subject, I should say it would be a dreadful thing for your nephew to marry into a family any member of which was liable to the visitations of a vampire. What would the oh, neighbors think? Be yes. <laughs> the young lady might have I mean, children. this is all assuming that the vampire is real, which they seem to have Jack. taken to very quickly. Hold your noise, Jack. Oh, much quicker oh, than Marchdale, anyway. Yeah, that's for sure. And she might herself, or, actually, or, uh, when after mm. death she became a vampire, yes, come me, and yeah. feed upon her Confusing own children. Become a vampire? What, is she going to be a vampire too? My dear sir, don't you know that it is a remarkable fact as regards the oh, physiology of, of vampires you know? that whoever is bitten becomes a vampire? Oh, the devil! It is oh. a fact, sir. Oh. Whistled Jack. She might bite us all. She should all be all ship's crew of vampires. <laughs> there would be a confounded. Four out of five vampire hunters it's agree. <laughs> She'll turn into a vampire too. From his chair and pace to and fro in the room. It's no, not pleasant. You know, I mean, hang me up at my own they yard. They are saying that, that 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 sparkles and um and, and glitter Who is, is you, not you brute. Right. Well, environmentally sir, friendly, added Mr. Crinkles. <laughs> the guy down the street selling steaks told me I we can. need two more. And I can only repeat what I before had the honor of saying more at large, namely that I am your humble servant to command and that I shall be happy to attend upon you at any time. And I would love you, to represent you, you in court uh, when uh, you uh, sue uh, the Bannerworths uh, for infecting <laughs> your nephew you with sir, vampirology. Now that I am yes. down here, I will see to the very bottom of this affair were it deeper than and fathom ever sounded. 
Charles Holland That's my little sister's son. He's the only relative yeah. I have in the whole wide world. The only and his one. His happiness is mm. dearer to my heart than and my own. And somehow we both ended up in Crinkles England, unbeknownst to the by other. By the crinkle of his Odd. eyes, one might premise that the honest little lawyer was much affected. God bless you, sir. Honest little he lawyer. Farewell. I, I didn't think Good that James you. Malcolm Reimer had. Goodbye, lawyer. Kind Cried of a, uh, mind how you go. <laughs> damn me if you don't say what like they said, fellow. When after all, you might give the devil a clear berth devil. and get into heaven's straits with a flowing sheet, provided you don't tour the end of the voyage, make any lubberly blunders. Oh, lubber! Oh, old Arnold threw himself <laughs> into a chair with a deep sigh. Jack. Said he, "Oi, oi, sir! What's to be done now?" Jack opened the window to discharge the superfluous now moisture from an enormous quid he had indulged he himself with while <laughs> the lawyer was sharpening a table vampire. leg. <laughs> and then again, turning his face toward his master, enormous he said, quid. Do. I, I think What's that's a bite of uh, tobacco. Why go at once and find out Charles? I'll never even ask him about it. Um, save a young lady too, and lay hold of the wampiker if we can. And <laughs> go over oh, all see her, all right. side I'll be the last side, one to see her. we make a prize of all the petitions. Out of which we can turn it over in our minds again and say what's to be done. Jack, you were right. Come along. Oh, now's I am. Do you know what way to steer? Of course not. I never was in this latitude before, and the channel looks intricate. We will hail a pilot, Jack, and then we shall be all right. If we strike, it will be his fault. Which is a mighty great consolation, said Jack. Come along. <laughs> Chapter oh, 16. Oh, Jack. Okay. The meeting of the lovers now in we're the garden. To... An affecting I scene. I don't know where all We're not on script again. Yeah, that was, that was like we lost a whole chapter there. Wow. Our readers, a good will too. our readers will recollect Ooh, a that Flora Bannerworth had made an appointment oh. with Charles Holland in the garden of the hall. This meeting was looked Lovers forward to garden. by the young man with a variety oh of conflicting feelings, and he passed Rex the Weldon. intermediate time in the most painful <laughs> state of doubt as to Wait what for the its result. I don't, I, the thought that he I don't should be Rex much Weldon's urged by this Flora one. to give up all <laughs> thoughts of making her his was a most bitter one to him. Who loved her with so much truth and constancy, and that she would say like, all she could to induce such a resolution. I don't know how to compete with Marmaduke. I might have to start nibbling mind, on her neck. He felt certain, <laughs> but to him, the idea of now abandoning her presented itself in the worst of aspects. Shall I? He said, "Sink so low in my own estimation, as well as in hers, <laughs> and in that of all honorable-minded persons, as to desert her now in the hour of her affliction." Dare I be so base as to actually or virtually say to virtually her, Flora, when your beauty was undimmed yes, by sorrow, I loved you selfishly for the increased uh. happiness which you might bestow upon me. But now the hand of misfortune presses heavily upon those you. Are, you are not, not what you were, and I desert you. Never, 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 never. <laughs> Until death do us part, but not undeath. Some of our more philosophic <laughs> neighbors felt more acutely than he reasoned. <laughs> but let his errors of argumentation be what they may. Can we do other than admire the nobility of soul which dictated such a self-denying That's how we can tell this as that he was pursuing? <laughs> um, yes, we Flora, actually can. <laughs> heaven only knows if at that precise time her intellect had completely stood the test of the trying events which had yeah, nearly overwhelmed it. 
The two grand feelings that seemed to possess her mind were fear of the renewed visits of the vampire and an earnest desire to release Charles Holland from his repeated vows of constancy towards He's her. He's just not that into Feeling, you, Feeling, generosity, <laughs> yeah. and judgment it's not all you, revolted it's holding a young man to such a destiny Every as time her. I come Literally, by, she covers her neck. Him to her fate <laughs> would be to make him, to a real extent, a sharer in it. And the more she heard fall from his lips in the way of generous feelings, <laughs> you really love me. You'll let the vampire her, bite you. The more severely <laughs> did she feel that he would suffer most acutely if united to her. And she was right. The very generosity of feeling which would have now prompted Charles Holland to lead Flora Bannerworth to the altar, even with the marks of the vampire's teeth oh, upon her throat, that's, gave an assurance of the depth we of feeling which drawing would have a picture made with an words haven in all her miseries, in all her distresses. She could cover that up with some and foundation or something. It was familiarly in the family at the hall <laughs> called the You don't have to the see garden. it at the altar. It was a semi-circular piece <laughs> of ground shaded in several and directions by trees, doesn't and mention which thirst. was exclusively devoted to the growth of flowers. The piece of ground was nearly hidden from the view of the house, and in its center was a summer house, which at the usual like, season of the year was covered with all kinds mixing, of creeping plants. I can't remember if it's, this was in Dracula or one of the, like, rare beauty. more all modern, unofficial sequels, the but and sweetest uh, I, of flowers, I feel like Mina was, like, burned by uh, communion wafers that they could touch to her after she was fed upon. Many mm. Does that sound familiar? up among their more estimable floral culture for the decayed fortunes of prevented them stuff. from keeping the necessary this was in one of the books, but I can't remember if it was like a... grounds in a state of need. I went through a while where I read all kinds of Dracula related of the inhabitants of the place to see them. It was then in this flower garden that Charles and Flora used to meet. As may be supposed, he was on the spot before the appointed hour, anxiously expecting the appearance of her who was so really and truly dear to him. What to him were the sweet flowers that there grew in such luxuriance and Dude, heedless show, beauty? Don't tell. Alas, mm. the flower Just that to his to mind was scene. fairer than the mole <laughs> was blighted, and in the wan cheek of her whom Just he loved, wait. he sighed to see the lily usurping the <laughs> place. No, I don't think we're going to cut to a sex scene. <laughs> dear, gonna, dear Flora, as I said, that's how you know this is fiction. We're going to get a lot be taken <laughs> from this place, which is so we're gonna full get a lot of the most painful remembrances now. It's just I a cannot courtship. think that Mr. Marchdale somehow is a friend to me, what but that conviction, kid, or rather impression, does not paralyze my judgment sufficiently to induce me not to acknowledge that his advice is good. Oh, I'm sure he it is. He might have couched it in pleasanter words, words that would not, like daggers, have each brought a deadly <laughs> pang home to words my heart. Words that, like teeth, but torn to my throat. I do throat. think that in his <laughs> conclusion he was right. A light sound, mm. as of some fairy <laughs> footstep among the flowers, mm. came upon his ear. And turning instantly in the direction Wait, from whence the sound proceeded, he's no. he saw the heart yep. previously assured yeah. him of. He's practicing. He's on the holodeck. He's on the holodeck, yes. It was she's with Earl Grey, hot, with a little vodka in it, please. of much mental suffering was she. Where now was the elasticity? I wonder what would happen if you actually step. ordered Where blood. now was that <laughs> lustrous would, beam give you beauty a of steaming cup of hot blood? <laughs> dawn in those eyes. Oh man! Oh, if only we could write, write Star Trek. Change. I know, right? The exquisite well, beauty of form was there, but the light of joy, which had lent its most transcendent charms to that heavenly face, was gone. Charles was by her side in a moment. He had her hand clasped in his, while his disengaged one was wound tenderly around her taper waist. Flora, dear, dear Flora, 
Dear, dear, you are better. Tell me that you feel the gentle air revives you. She could not speak. Her heart was too full of woe. Whoa! My own, my beautiful, he added in those tones which come so direct from the heart, (laughs) which are so different from any assumption of tenderness. Speak to me, dear, dear Flora. Speak to me, if it be but a word. We can can call that a heart was all she could say, and then she burst into a flood of tears and leaned so heavily upon his arm that I it was better evident, when she was but for that things. support she yeah, must have fallen. <laughs> Charles Holland welcomed those, although the they grieved him so much up that he could have almost. accompanied them with his own. But then he knew that she would soon now be more composed, and they would relieve the heart whose sorrows had called them into existence. He forbore to speak to her until he felt the sudden gush of feeling was subsiding into sobs, and then in low, soft <laughs> accents he again smart. endeavored to breathe comfort to her afflicted and terrified spirit. My dear Flora, he said, remember that there are warm hearts that love you. And, and cold ones, yes! Ah, Flora, what evil is there in the whole world that love may not conquer? and in the heights of its noble feelings laugh to scorn. Funny you should ask. Oh, oh, hush, Charles, <laughs> hush. Wherefore, Flora, would you still the voice of pure Wherefore affection? Wherefore art thou, Flora? I love you surely, yes. as few have ever loved. Ah, uh, why Not would you none, forbid me to give such utterances <laughs> as I may to those feelings which fill up my whole heart? You're one in a dozen, oh, Flora. Flora, Flora, wherefore do you say no? Do not, Charles... Now speak to me of affection or love. Do not tell me you love me now. Okay, I won't. Not tell Don't tell me love you love you. Oh, <laughs> if my tongue with its poor eloquence oh, to boy. give utterance to such a sentiment were to do its office, each feature of my face would tell the tale. Each action would show to all the world how much I loved you. I'm sorry, I don't I swing Charles' way, but at this point, I would be dumping his ass. Me to <laughs> Seriously? Of my soul. That's Come just on, man. What way purpose too is it for that yep. you have to pray thus fervently but for strength to no. execute? Thicker oh, than congealed blood. Oh, of reason against love's majesty, forget it. Forget love it. is a gift from forget heaven. The greatest it. and the most glorious gift it ever bestowed upon its creatures. Heaven will not mm. aid you in repudiating that which is the one grand redeeming feature that rescues human nature from a world of reproach. Flora wrung her hands desperately as she said, Charles, I know I cannot reason with you. You're not kidding, sister. Power of language, (laughs) aptitude of illustration, nor depth of thought to hold a mental contention. No, honey, it's not you, you it's him. Get out the guns again. (laughs) Seriously. I may not be smart, but I can shoot better than you, Charles. You better leave. She just can't out-talk him is the law. And now, wherefore not appreciation now, of herself do here. not tell me you are changed. I am changed, Charles, fearfully changed. The curse of God has fallen upon me. Oh, my. I know not why. I know not that in word or in thought I, I have like done evil. I like my stakes rarer and rarer. unwittingly, and <laughs> yet the vampire. I deserve Let this not somehow. That affright you. Charles, affright this is me. my fault. I asked for it. Nay, Flora, yeah. you think too much wow. of what I still Charles, hope to be susceptible of far more rational explanation. <laughs> I'm thirsty. I words, then, Charles, I must convict you. I cannot, I dare not be yours while such a dreadful circumstance is hanging over me, Charles. If a more rational explanation than the hideous one which... Hideous? Yes, oh, you were wrong. There is a hideous... 
find it and rescue me from despair and from madness. Stay they had Charles. now reached the summer house, <laughs> and as Flora uttered these words, she threw herself onto right a here? seat and a covering her beautiful <laughs> face with her hands, she sobbed. Or at least like a mausoleum. Spoken, <laughs> said Charles dejectedly. I have heard that you wish to say to me. Well, that's no, good. No, well, she I'm was not, talking. Now so we're going into the passive aggressive world. Be patient world. then. Yep. Although, what oh, more you may have to add to tear my very oh. heartstrings. You cruel thing. I, I have to add, Charles, I'm just a blood-filled meat sack to you. That justice, religion, mercy, every human attribute which bears the name of virtue calls loudly upon me to no longer hold you to vows made under different auspices. Oh, my. Go on, Flora. I yes, implore go. you, Charles, finding me what I am, to leave me to the fate which it has pleased heaven to cast upon me. Oh, blame I do it not on God. ask you, Charles, mm. not to love me. Tis well. Go on, Flora. Because I should like to think that, although I might never see you more, you loved me still. But you must think seldom of me, and you must endeavor to be happy with some other... You cannot, Flora, pursue the picture you yourself would some draw. Some other vamp. These words come not from yeah. your heart. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. I heard Vampire Did needs you a... Ever love me? <laughs> Charles. <laughs> Boyfriend. Charles, why will you add another pen those you know There's must already rend my heart? Now, see, this no, is Flora, a real dick I would move. tear my own heart Did from my ever prison love me? I would add one <laughs> yeah, pen geez. to you. Well, I know that gentle maiden modesty would seal your lips to the soft confession that you love me. Gentle maiden modesty. And then he doubles down on it. Yeah. Words, like, is my neck not good enough for you? Really? Lovers content no, really. To see the truthful you were just playing the speaking me. eyes of beauty. <laughs> content you just want to be around to translate for somebody to buy you dinner and take you to the show. Eyes that look not you told so me my iron deficiency didn't mean anything to you. But when you tell me to seek happiness with another... Well may the anxious question burst from my throbbing heart of, Did you ever love me, Flora? It's not your heart that's Her throbbing, Charles. Her senses upon his <laughs> words. Carotid artery. Oh, what a witchery is in the tongue of love. What's this witchery Some, shit? Even of the Toss former color of her cheek yeah. returned, yes. as forgetting it's all the for season the of the witchery. she was listening to the voice of him, the thoughts of whom had made up the daydream of her happiness. She gazed upon his face. See, I would love it if she actually went vampire ceased. here and just killed to him. Her, that would be a like, plot twist. twist. Yeah. Yeah. Off in its most exquisite passage, she clung to his arm. She looked imploringly up at him. Her head sunk upon his breast as she cried, Charles, to Charles, first? I did love you. I do love you now. Then let sorrow and misfortune shake their grisly locks in vain. Grisly. Heart hmm. to heart, hand in hand with me, defy them. He lifted his arms up toward heaven as he spoke. And at the moment came such a rattling by peal lightning. of thunder that the very earth <laughs> seemed to shake upon its axis. A half scream of terror broke from the lips of Flora as she cried, What was that? Only thunder, said Charles calmly. It was an awful In sound. In the middle of a the day. One. But the sunshine, but at such you know, a moment yeah. when you were defying fate to injure us. Oh, Charles, is it ominous? No. Flora, oh, no. can you really oh, give way to such idle fantasies? No. The sun is obscured. Bad weather's Aye, never ominous. But it will in these shine kind of all the brighter Laura. for its temporary eclipse. The thunderstorm well, will clear the air. When He Man says, "By the power of Grayskull, there's the always lightning." Has its That's uses true. as well as its powers of mischief. Hark! There it is again. <laughs> and also about a twelve-band brass intensity band. to the other. Brass band the Herald Vampire sings. trembled. <laughs> she said, "This is the voice of heaven. We must part forever." 
I oh. cannot be. Well, here. that's one way to read oh. that. Flora, Get this away. is madness. Think again, dear Flora. Misfortunes for a time will hover over the best and most fortunate of us, but like the clouds that now obscure the sweet sunshine, will pass away she and leave no trace quarrel, behind. You know, argue the sunshine over of joy will shine on you again. How we raise the children and small how much blood I give you at night. Like a window yes. looking into heaven. <laughs> One of those things. From it streamed one some beam counseling, of sun. You know, yeah. we'll so bright, yeah. so dazzling, if she leaves him, he's so visit beautiful the that it was a sight of wonder to look upon. Well, it fell I... upon the face of Flora. It warmed her cheek. It lent luster to her pale lips and Isn't tearful Barney eyes. It illuminated that little summer house <laughs> as if it had been the shrine of Just lay down on this saint. chase here. Behold, right, tell me about cried it. Charles. Where is your omen now? God of heaven, cried Flora. She stretched out her arms. Ooh, wasn't somebody supposed to be drinking for invocations? Now? That was last week. Just the devil this time. I went with the opposite. this beam of sunlight as a promise Still. from God. I will. I, I wish will. I made all my it's decisions going. based on the weather. It has done its office. <laughs> Wouldn't work out well in Oregon. <laughs> Perhaps not. And all was gloom again, as before. Oh. Flora, said Charles, will you not ask me now to leave you? She allowed him to clasp her to his heart. It was beating for her and for her only. And maybe oh. for him a little bit, too. Yeah, I was going to say, she takes a step away. Was the voice was, that whatever, she answered him was like the murmur of some distant melody the ears can scarcely translate to the heart. Hmm. Charles, we will live, love, and die together. And that then rise like, again. And now there was a rapt stillness in that <laughs> summer like house a, um, for many minutes. What is that? A trance of joy. That whole, um, they did not speak. But now Elizabeth and then Gilbert she would book. look into his face and the joy of his heart was near to bursting in tears from his <sighs> eyes. I'd read that. A shriek burst from Flora's lips. Ooh. A shriek so wild and shrill that it awakened it echoes far and near. Charles staggered back a step as if shot, and then in well, such agonies, he was long indeed in banishing the remembrance of. She cried, "The vampire! The vampire!" Well, we have a visitor. Oh my goodness, what a cliffhanger! Yeah, wow. We could. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine how our intrepid, you know, nine or ten listeners, or however many our, our hmm. audience is up to now, is going 20. to like make it through. Who could that be? Well, that's a wrap for this week's edition of GDT3K, the Gothic Theater, excuse me, the Gothic Dreadful Theater 3000 show. Dreadful. And now get a firm grip on your wallet, because the next episode will be coming your way on tax day. Yes, indeed. Oh my goodness. Ouch! Hey, how many uh, how many surrealists does it take to change a light bulb? Fish! <laughs> ah. There we go. <laughs> well, on. this podcast is by Pulplet Productions in collaboration with Dark Tidings Press, neither of which August organizations may survive tax day. Um, but for details <laughs> or to browse our respective catalogs while you still can, hit us up at darktidingspress.com and or pulp-lit.com. Got anything to pitch this week, Chris? Um, our graphic novel Tarnish should be close to release by the time you're listening to this episode. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I hope I didn't just jinx myself. Right on. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I actually am, am still working on the thing that I was working on last time, so I'm not going to say anything about it because I think I jinxed myself last time. <laughs> right, Jen? Uh, that I'm pitching. Um, project nope. stuff. You nope. want to direct our. Our, 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 our 
23 listeners too? Uh, nope. <laughs> what's, right what's, on. what's your one cool thing for the week? My one cool thing. There's this TV show that no one's ever heard of that I want to talk for 20 minutes about. Lock and key. Watch it. It was good. All right. I liked Onward. Yeah. I'll, I'll endorse Onward. It's awesome. fun seeing the metal game, the metalhead gamer win. Yeah. Side, side note: This is Finn and I's like least favorite part of every podcast is the one cool thing that derails the podcast for the first like twenty five minutes. So. Yeah, we spend a whole bunch of time talking about some some sort of random thing that has sort of come into each each podcast host's life, but hasn't really because they needed a one cool thing, so they've been looking for one all week. And right. So here, we're going to talk about this boring thing that we wouldn't be talking about if it weren't for the fact that we needed a one cool thing. It sounds yep. like my <clears throat> frequent meetings where we have one to give a one-word right. uh, assessment of how we are today. <laughs> Fuck. All yeah, right. and that has crossed my mind as my word on numerous occasions. Yep, the word of the day brought to you by the letter, <laughs> letter F. F. This, <laughs> this is why you, 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 want to, you want to learn German. Boys and girls, learn German in high school because when people ask you for one word synopsis of things, you can get you can eight spend or the nine. next 15 minutes. Yeah, you can get eight or nine <laughs> words into the thing. And, they, and they're all capitalized. Yes. <laughs> Right on. All okay. right. Well, whose uh, turn is it here? This podcast is covered by a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial 4.0 international license, except for the theme music, which is used by permission. Speaking of which, our theme music is a traditional English ballad called Georgie by $4 Shoe. $4 Shoe is an old-time mountain music fiddle band out of Seattle, and there is more where that came from at $4shoe.com. That is numeral four dollar spelled out shoe.com. Well, that is it for tonight's episode of the Gothic Dreadful Theater 3000 Podcast, Tigers, and it's probably just as well, because a combination of really bad decisions as to what we were going to ring our bells and drink to has <laughs> left us basically incapable No longer of, sober. <laughs> I don't, they were good decisions at the time. I, I don't think we could handle another chapter. No. So... The devil made me drink. <laughs> oh! Yes. Damn! No! <laughs> you lovers! Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, right. Um, so, right about the time that you are finally coming to grips with the realization that you're not going to have enough time to get done and you're going to have to file an extension again and you're going to be doing all this in August, we'll be right back there to console you with yet another exciting episode. And until then, go forth and fill up the rest of your day and week and tax year with dreadful stuff. Bye now. Bye -bye. See ya.